Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of 1 Samuel. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and happy Monday. Hope that you have a nice hot beverage with you this morning so that we can enjoy the time we have in scripture together. I am actually drinking tea this morning, which is very unlike me, but uh, my coffee machine broke. So <laughs> my coffee maker is broken. And so now I am, uh, I, I had a couple cups of coffee because I, I made it the old fashioned way, but it's too difficult to make it that way. So I just decided to boil some water and make some nice mint tea this morning. And that is what I am currently drinking. So grab your cup of tea or your cup of coffee this morning and let's read 1 Samuel 15 verses 24 through 35. This is all the way to the end of the chapter. We are going to be finishing up 1 Samuel 15 today. We talked about the prior portions of 1 Samuel 15 on Wednesday and on Friday of last week. So definitely go back and check those two episodes out if you haven't yet, because otherwise you might be a little bit lost as to what is happening today, because I'm not going to do a full recap. I'll just do a little recap. So basically, Saul was in rebellion toward God. God told Saul to kill the Amalekites, and Saul took the king, King Agag, alive, along with all of the sheep and the cattle and the oxen that God also told Saul to kill. Now, I'm not going to get into why God told Saul to kill all the oxen and sheep and cattle and stuff like that. If you are curious about that, then please go back and listen to last week's episode regarding this chapter. But let's go ahead and read once again, 1 Samuel 15, verses 24 through 35 today. And as per usual, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. this morning, but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read along with me. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of Yahweh and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship Yahweh. Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected Yahweh's word, and Yahweh has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned around to go away, Saul grabbed the skirt of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, Yahweh has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and come back with me that I may worship Yahweh your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped Yahweh. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites here to me. Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. Then Samuel cut Agag in pieces before Yahweh in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death, but Samuel mourned for Saul. Yahweh grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. Man, imagine making God grieve over something good that he did for you. It says at the very end that Yahweh grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. So we can make Yahweh grieve. We can make God grieve. There's actually another verse that talks about this in Hebrews, I believe it is, where it says, do not do something to grieve the Holy Spirit. So our actions can actually make God grieve. Our actions can make him upset. It can make him sad. 
And Yahweh was grieving that he had made Saul the king. And why would Yahweh grieve over that? Because if you look at this passage, you might not understand what the big problem is because, you know, all Saul did was take a king alive. All he did was allow his men to take a bunch of animals. So what's so bad about that? Why would God grieve over making Saul the king? Because first and foremost, Israel never should have had a king. They never should have had an earthly king, rather. God was supposed to be their king. And Israel fully rejected Yahweh as their king in order to have an earthly king like all of the other nations of the world had. So God gave the people what they wanted, but Saul rejected God time and time again. But at first he was kind of good. You know, he started out by giving God the glory when he had his first battle against the Philistines. So Saul started out pretty decent, but then over time, the true nature of his heart was revealed. He had so many deep insecurities. We don't understand why, but he was so insecure that it turned into this insane level of pride where he couldn't look bad to literally anybody. And so because of that, he started caring way more about what people thought of him and what would please people rather than what Yahweh thought of him and what would please Yahweh. And so that's why it's very important to please God above pleasing people, because people are so fickle. They will shift with the wind. One minute they will like you. The next minute they will hate you. If you say one thing that they don't like, people shift like the wind. But God doesn't shift like the wind. He doesn't cast a shifting shadow is actually what it says in scripture. He is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is extremely consistent. God wants you to worship him. He wants to live with you. He loves you. He likes you. And he wants to be around you. And he wants you to be around him. So God is always consistent, whereas people are never consistent. They are consistently inconsistent is what people are. We should never try to please human beings or people because even though we might be able to achieve people liking us in that moment, it's not going to last forever. But Saul didn't get this. He didn't understand anything about God at all. All Saul cared about was how he looked to other people. He wanted to be the center of attention. He wanted to make sure all eyes were on him. He wanted to make sure that all the people really liked him. So in verse 24, Saul admits to Samuel that he sinned because Samuel confronted Saul. He was like, you sinned in this way. You did not do what God told you to do. And you made Israel into a hypocritical laughingstock by doing what you did, by going into the Amalekite territory and acting like Amalekites. And so Saul at first is like fighting against Samuel, he's like, no, 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 Samuel, I didn't sin. I didn't sin at all. It was these people here that sinned. You know, they took all the animals. I only took King Agag alive. That was all I did. I did everything God told me to do, but I took King Agag alive. And so Samuel is like, um, well, God told you to destroy the king of the Amalekites. So why did you take King Agag alive? Why did you allow the men to take all of those animals? And so Samuel had said to Saul, because you disobeyed God so strongly, God is now going to take the kingdom from you and give it to another person whose heart is for him. But on hearing that, that the kingdom is going to be taken from him and given to another man, 
Saul gets very, very worried. And so it says in verse 24, what we read today, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I've transgressed the commandment of Yahweh and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship Yahweh. So notice how Saul tries to fix it. Okay. And, and none of this is Saul being actually sad for his sin or being guilty over what he had just done. All of this was Saul trying to fix the problem that he heard that the kingdom was about to be taken away from him. And so he got very scared by that. So he says, you're right. You know, Samuel, I sinned, pardon my sin, please. And let's go worship Yahweh. (laughs) So yeah, he's asking Samuel to pardon his sin. He also mentions here that he sinned against Yahweh and Samuel's words. So everything about this looks like Saul is placing Samuel almost as his God. But Samuel was not his God. Samuel was the high priest. Samuel would intercede on Saul's behalf to God because we know that Samuel was a like a prayer warrior. He was always communicating with God through prayer. But Saul is almost acting like Samuel is his God. He does not ask Yahweh to pardon his sins. He asks Samuel to pardon his sins. So Samuel says to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected Yahweh's word and Yahweh has rejected you from being king over Israel. And so at that, Saul panics and Samuel turns away from Saul and Saul reaches out and grabs Samuel's robe pretty violently is what it looks like and actually ends up tearing it. That is how upset Saul became. And so Samuel turns around after Saul just like ruined his robe. And he's like, Yahweh has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. So Samuel uses the tearing of his robe as like an action lesson. And he's like, yeah, you know, you just tore my robe. That's what God is going to do to you. And then he says, Right after this, very, very important. Verse 29, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent. So that name strength of Israel, this is the only time it is ever used in scripture is right here when Samuel calls God the strength of Israel. I believe Samuel chose those words very precisely because I think Saul was getting so prideful and so arrogant that he actually believed that he was the strength of Israel. And so instead, Samuel says, Saul, you are not the strength of Israel. God is the strength of Israel and he is not going to lie to you. He is not going to repent either because God is not a man. He's not a mere man who lies or repents. So basically what Samuel is saying here, is that no amount of begging from Saul, no amount of violence from Saul was going to change God's mind because God did not lie to Saul in this moment. God rejected Saul as the king of Israel because God could see Saul's heart and he knew that there was another man being born who would be better for the role of king of Israel than Saul was. So Samuel says, no, Saul, there is nothing you can do to change this. You are not going to be the king for much longer. And now Saul's true intention just comes pouring out of his heart. He says to Samuel, I have sinned 
Yet, please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and come back with me that I may worship Yahweh, your God. So Saul still doesn't quite get it through his head. Just how bad his sin truly was. His true motivation for having Samuel come with him was so that Samuel could bless Saul in front of all of the people of Israel. That was all Saul wanted. He didn't actually want Yahweh. He didn't want to repent, really. He didn't actually care that he sinned at all. I don't think Saul felt any guilt. He might have felt sorry, you know, that he got caught and that God was, you know, going to be punishing Saul soon in the future. But Saul truly didn't care. Or maybe Saul was in complete denial of all of that. We know that Saul was in in denial later on because when David actually becomes uh, old enough to start threatening Saul as the king, Saul basically went postal after that. (laughs) He was in complete denial. But the point is, Saul's heart was so far away from God that all he truly wanted was just the accolades from the people. That's all he wanted. And right here, his true colors just come streaming out of him where he says, just come and and bless me before the elder Samuel, even though I sin, do it anyway. And Samuel actually goes. It says he goes back with Saul and Saul worshiped Yahweh. So Saul did in fact worship Yahweh on multiple occasions. And we'll get more into that later. It doesn't mean that Saul's heart was for Yahweh. It just means that perhaps Saul was worshiping Yahweh to try to manipulate a situation or to get what he wanted, or maybe in, in brief moments of him feeling sorry for what he had done, he would worship God in those moments. But truly Saul did not have a heart for Yahweh. And that was why Yahweh was going to reject Saul for someone who did have a heart for him. So Samuel goes back with Saul and probably blesses him in front of the elders and also performs a sacrifice and worships God with Saul. But you might be asking, well, why did Samuel go back with Saul if Saul had performed such a terrible sin? And Samuel knew that. Why would he go with Saul to bless him in front of the elders? Well, I think there's two reasons. Well, actually three reasons. Samuel, first and foremost, I think had a father-son connection with Saul. Just from what it looks like, Samuel really took pity on Saul through many occasions and felt deep sorrow for Saul on many occasions as well. So I think there was that. I think also possibly Saul could have been begging and crying and acting very pitifully. Samuel just took pity on Saul at that moment and went back and blessed him. But I think the third reason that Samuel went back with Saul was because of what we read in verses 32 to the end of the chapter. It says that after Samuel performed the worship service with Saul, that Samuel said, bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites, here to me. Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. So King Agag of the Amalekites, the one that uh, Saul spared, comes strutting in and he believes that death is pretty much past. He probably thinks, oh, this old, wise priest is just going to let me go home and I don't have anything else to worry about. But Samuel does the exact opposite and actually chops him up into pieces in front of all of Israel and before Yahweh is what it says in Gilgal. So King Agag was probably very arrogant, thinking that he was going to get away scot-free. And that was actually not the case. Samuel possibly went back with Saul 
to do what Saul didn't have the gonads to do. And so Samuel finishes the job by killing the evil Amalekite King Agag. But there's something I didn't mention that I want to mention today. So if you turn to Esther chapter three and take a look at this guy named Haman. And if you know anything about the book of Esther, basically this evil guy named Haman hated the Jews and wanted to basically destroy them completely. And he almost succeeded, actually. Notice what it says in verse one of Esther chapter three. It says, after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamathada, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than all of that of the other nobles. So Haman was an Agagite. And notice the name of this Amalekite king back in 1 Samuel 15, King Agag. This means that Saul not only disobeyed by sparing King Agag, but likely also disobeyed by sparing King Agag's family because the Amalekites still existed after King Agag died. We know that because the Amalekites are not over with yet. We're going to see them mentioned a handful more times. And also Haman, the guy who did mass destruction against the Israelites hundreds of years after this, was an Agagite. He was an Amalekite. And that is all because of Saul's sin right here. So the Amalekites and their destructive tendencies towards Israel all survived because of Saul's sin of not killing King Agag and his family. So Saul's one sin here had ramifications way bigger than he could ever imagine. So it says that after all of this happens, when Agag dies, Samuel goes home back to Ramah, and then Saul went to his own home in Gibeah. And in verse 35, it mentions that Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death, but Samuel mourned for Saul and Yahweh grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. So Samuel no longer went to go see Saul. There is one story, a few chapters from here that mentions Saul going to see Samuel, but this says that Samuel no longer went to go see Saul. However, even though Samuel did not make the effort to go see Saul, he still cried for him pretty much every day. He was mourning for Saul. He was so distraught over what happened with Saul. And Yahweh was upset right alongside Samuel. So they were both grieving together is what it says in verse 35 over Saul and over what Saul had done to Israel. The ramifications at this point in time and way later in the future. Well, faithful listeners, I hope that this episode shone a little bit more light on 1 Samuel 15 and everything that's going on in this chapter, because it is a difficult chapter to understand. And uh, shockingly enough, this has been my favorite chapter to talk about <laughs> since starting 1 Samuel 15. I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment or what, but but it was a very fun chapter for me to research and talk about. But faithful listeners, check me out on Coffee if you haven't yet. That is a platform where you can go to support this podcast monetarily, but it's also like a social media place as well. I post a lot of things over on Coffee. Uh, if you don't like Facebook, Coffee's a great alternative. It's basically a Facebook uh, 2.0. So check out Coffee and also everything else listed in the description of this podcast episode. Faithful listeners, I hope to see you tomorrow for an episode out of Axe. 
And until then, happy listening and God bless. Thank you.